0: Oh, here we are. We're on. <laughs> Welcome to episode 65 of the Jungle Brothers podcast. How you guys doing? Uh, it's me, Joe Worthington, Paul Furt your host. Hello. And longtime <laughs> JB coach, legend, and old friend of ours, Aaron Lang. How you doing, man? Good, good. How um, are you guys? Yeah, super good, bro. Really good. Um, excited to have you on again, mate. It's been, uh, I don't know, maybe it's been, uh, it's been maybe two years or something. At since, least. I yeah. reckon
1: it's been three. How about that? Because it was uh, probably three months into when I started here. Hey, right on, on. And it's been it's been almost four years that I did my first uh, jungle nastics Friday afternoon uh mm-hmm. shadow wow and then warm up and then full class
0: four years since then almost holy shit so so it was in, it in the July. old gym huh
1: it was been, we've been here for two years at least now
0: well yeah we're coming up to our third Christmas party here yeah which yeah November's when we moved in so we're like November this year will be three years yeah um yeah guys alan's been with us for a long time if you haven't listened to all of our podcasts we did one with him a while back um in the early days why not yeah (laughs) that's right you need to go back on that shit um but yeah we dove into the movement thing and it was a nice intro to alan we're going to cover a bit of that today um get a bit of a background on him but then also talk about uh what his evolution has been since that time um which is kind of interesting and i'm i'm actually very keen to Mm. to sort of dig into that myself and i think For people listening, there's a, just a bit of context around what this movement thing is. Mm. Um, uh, a, a little example: I was at uh, I was at the park the other day with Hattie, a little girl, and uh, there was another woman with her little boy. And uh, the woman started talking with us, and she was a CrossFitter. And turns out she owns a CrossFit gym. And mm. then she she were talking about stuff, and then she said, "Oh, what do you do?" And I said, "I own a gym too." And uh, she said, "What's it called?" And I said, "It's called Jungle Brothers Strength and Movement." And she's like movement i like that she's like is that like strength conditioning (laughs) and i said a little bit yeah we do do a bit of that and other stuff and she's like movement what's movement Mm -hmm. and i was like oh shit big question (laughs) i said uh you know you guys do like gymnastics and she said yeah i was like it's kind of like that (laughs) (laughs) and i did you know it was free
1: form free form version of gymnastics
0: and specifically much more free form version of crossfit gymnastics (laughs) because <laughs> they don't, they they for them gymnastics is essentially oh. any body weight exercise.
1: Right, right. It's like
0: you know, like we're working push ups today. I'm working on my gymnastics.
1: Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But
0: even still, it's just a hard thing to broach. It's like, what the fuck is it? Mm. Yes, um, yes. So it would be cool to to sort of dig into a little bit of that today and give a bit of context for the folks. Mm. Um, before that, yep. let me just mention Jim's uh, been home for a couple of weeks. Things are going really well. Everyone's adhering to the parameters regarding uh, COVID-19, which is excellent. Um, No outbreaks, we're clean. Um, We are running all of our classes online as well. So if you wanna train with us, whether in the gym or you wanna follow our classes from your own gym or from your own home, get in touch, junglebrothers.com. You can also get us on Instagram at junglebrothersmovement. In terms of upcoming events, nothing Oh, in the pipeline we have our uh could you give us the the mental health workshop we're looking at reigniting paulie
2: yeah mental health first aid certificate um run by the folks at rise foundation um we had to put it on hold because covid came along and we couldn't gather together i need to reconnect with them and, and look we'll look to run that uh course uh next month yeah so we have space for 20 people. I think we had bookings for 10. I'll fire that back up next week. But if you're interested in something like that, um, it's uh, giving you, uh, you know, more of an idea of what the aspects of mental health issues are um, and how you can deal with them from a first response uh, kind of point of view. Um, yeah, if you've got any interest in that, just let us know and I'll have the details
0: ready in a few days. Amazing. Only other thing on that is our internship kicks back off next week. Um, that one's currently full, but awesome. Moving on from that, once that one is completed, we'll run our next mm-hmm. one. Could be at the end of this year, could be next year, who knows. But if you are a budding coach uh, or even an old coach and you want to learn some new tricks, get in touch. Brother Al, my yes. homie. Yes. Tell us, um, tell us who you are. Give us a little background.
1: Uh, so my background is in, uh, as Joe mentioned earlier, uh, well, my professional background, I suppose, or serious physical fitness or training background would be uh, in the martial arts and then kind of went into the movement thing, which Joe mentioned before. The movement thing is, uh, was started for me uh, with Ido Portal, who those who are in the know consider him to be the, the founding father of bringing that term and bringing a lot of knowledge and bringing a culture around movement and then, uh, you know, but it wasn't to say that there was no culture or there was no knowledge or people practicing movement before that. It's just that when he brought it into the forefront, it kind of got people's attention and uh, a lot more people either were more attentive of movement pe- practitioners or teachers that were already existing um, or gave the those practitioners uh, and teachers a, a platform from which to uh, broadcast their own version, mm. if you will, mm. of movement. So if I was to describe my start in this quote unquote movement thing with Ido Portal to you know someone who's never done it, maybe someone who doesn't train very much or train at all, gotta think of it like a combination of acrobatics with gymnastics, with strength, with coordination, with rhythm, with perception, spatial awareness, It's essentially trying to break people's minds out of the mold of exercise or fitness is exercise and exercise is movements A, B and C like bicep curl, squat, deadlift, etc. Like it's kind of breaking people's psychology around looking at physical health as simply a series of exercises to be done certain amount of repetitions and somehow magically your body will become Functional. Yeah, functional, healthy, optimal. I mean, there's so many terms and everyone has a different meaning behind it. And that's actually one of the challenges uh, that I think a normal person faces, but you know, coaches and professionals, what words do you use, right? But for the average person, how they can benefit from using that mindset of movement is that their body is far more complex than, you know, a pec deck or a bench press or uh, what you would term a typical exercise. Um, you know, it's far more complex than those exercises can account for. Mm. So it's very important to move beyond those exercises, not, not purely from a, okay, add more exercises. It's okay. Well, you can move. There's so many variations within even just one movement. Like if you do a squat, if you shift your body slightly to the left, it becomes a slightly different squat because your center of mass is driving impact into different areas. So that squat that you think is a squat is not actually a a squat if you just one millimeter forward or one millimeter rotation to the left, you know, it it changes, everything changes. So for me, it's become a case of uh, movement is a practice of becoming more aware of what you are, like aware of your composition, that you have bones, that you have coding around the bones that we call joints. And then there's fluid between the joints. There's also space between the joints and then that's just the skeleton and then there's the soft tissue you know muscle tendon ligament fascia and then there's your organs and they are all in one freaking system yeah. and you can't really separate one from the other you can't be like okay i'm only going to work my core today but i don't want to disrupt my i don't want to disrupt my organs it's like, no no you're gonna you're gonna this force everywhere all the time it's just whether you're whether you whether or not you're aware of it or not and again that's the practice
0: there's two, um, there's two interesting terms in what you said that, uh, that we probably take for granted a bit, but that when I first heard them, I was like, oh, that's new. One is practitioner mm. and the other <laughs> is uh, teacher.
1: I remember uh, Sylvia in class, I would say practitioner, and she, she um, pulled me aside later. She's like, oh, my God, I've never heard that word before. Use the word practitioner. <laughs> so most people don't think of it in those terms. And I think the terms... It helps because it opens up a new scope of, all right, okay, I can view this thing called exercise from a different angle. It's not just a, this, it's the whole elephant thing. If you're so close to an elephant near its leg, you think it's just a trunk or something, you know what I mean? And if you're close to its uh, ear, you think it's uh, something else, you know? But really, if you zoom back out far enough, it's an elephant, and then if you turn around, you see the other side of it. You go above it, you see the top of it, and it, it looks completely different. So yeah, that's, that's what these terms lend itself to, a different perspective
0: and so yeah and i I guess the uh the idea of practitioner like that's kind of empowering in a way because it's saying that you're not just a kind of it's going away from that uh you are exercising Mm. or even training i mean we use training and i think that that has a different connotation to exercising or what you know even working out but um they're kind of very uh i don't know simplistic it's exercising is a very simplistic term and it Mm. almost implies that you're doing something that you need to do because, um, because you're out of shape or yeah. like there's this prerequisite to be healthy. Oh man, 100%. Which is you've got to go and do 30 minutes today of exercise. Whereas when you're a practitioner, you kind of are the, you're kind of guiding your own journey in a mm. way, aren't you? Mm.
1: Yeah, and you're always doing it, you know? Like outside the gym, as soon as you step outside the gym, you realize that you're still moving, you're still loading your joints. You're still, you still can be aware of how your body is moving when you're walking out of the gym, when you're walking upstairs, when you're picking something up, you know, when you're closing the door of a car, everything is still, you can, you can make that movement better or you can make it worse. And if you don't consider your movements, what tends to happen is that you build up lots of different kinds of RSIs in your body, repetitive stress injuries. And that's the kind of thing that I've been seeing. And and it's kind of how I've modeled my business, train away your pain is to address some of these things because a lot of people don't realize they're building up a lot of rsis in their body whether it be in their shoulder joint in their back in their knees in their hips and it's not it's 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 to do with the lack of movement in general like the lack of exercise that's always going to do it but there's also people who exercise plenty and they still have that so it's not the exercise it's how it's done it's how you're loading yourself you know you
0: mean the difference between like um when you do like flat bench press, but mm-hmm. then after six weeks you go to incline.
1: Yeah, that's a that's one really good way of describing it because you're loading the pec and you're loading the shoulder joints and everything differently.
0: I'm actually I'm actually hang, uh, hanging a bit of shit on that idea, but right. Uh, no, I'm making a, I'm making a joke based on changing the variation of the bench press you do is not really what we're talking about.
1: No, and it's not enough. Yeah, yeah.
0: We're, we're discussing like actually choosing like different realms of movement, right?
1: Right. And, and like I said, like you can, you do the same, just to use that example, like a flat bench, you could actually just change the way that you're thinking about it, how far you go with it, you know, and the timing of, the timing of the movements. Like when do you, where do you fire from? When do you fire from, you know, when you lock, when do you lock out, where do you push from? Do you push from your scaps or do you push from, it, it changes, everything changes everything. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of what you start to realize when you actually start studying the movements as you're exercising i think that's the biggest thing if you can study the movement while you're exercising even like as, as a like you know quote unquote regular person but even as a high level practitioner that's what we're constantly doing you know otherwise how do we learn we just kind of go like oh i've mastered that and then we move on but you you know you may not have and there might still be a lot there
0: so your journey, as you mentioned, kind of started with the very much started with Ido Portal, as mm. you, you know. As you said, is kind of considered by many in the know to be the the godfather of the movement. Mm-hmm. Or you know, this push yeah. towards us. You know, to what you could almost you could call a style of training now.
1: It is a style, yeah.
0: Yeah, um, and you know, we've all had most of the coaches here, myself included, have had some experience with him along the way, and so there's very mm. much. A lot of his influence in what we do, yeah. And for anyone who's listening who doesn't know him, just go and Google him because you'll enjoy the little journey you go on. Yeah. Um. From from there to where you are now seems to be. There's been some evolution that's taken place. Mm, yeah. Um. What What is that evolution? What's happened?
1: Uh, well, about three years ago, I started. So what happened? Like I said, uh, when Edo came out and uh, made movement more. Uh, famous, other practitioners started to come into uh, my awareness. So either through social media uh, or word of mouth and a group called fighting monkey came into my awareness through my feed somehow. And uh, some of the movements that I saw really attracted me. So I started exploring that aspect of it instead. And uh, if I can compare the two, so the style of training that Edo promotes is hard style. It's volume, volume is like capacity and volume is king. And uh, it's highly coveted and, and sought after by the, uh, by the followers of Edo. And I did that for a while, like to give you an idea, imagine training six times a week, uh, twice a day, a.m. p.m., 90, 90 minutes to two hours, sometimes more depending on the program. Uh, that was kind of my life when I was working in my previous job before I started working here. And uh, it was cool. And it made me feel special, but it's not sustainable. And uh, it's a lot of time input as well. Like if you're, as soon as I started working here and I was working AMs and PMs, I suddenly found that I couldn't do that anymore because the two training sessions will be too close together. And not only that, the time that I could spend training, I could also be spending developing my business and uh, spending time with my now wife, Um, you know, time spent with friends, time resting and recovering. So it's like, it's a big chunk of that your waking hours spent doing this. And then you've got to ask yourself at some point, like, why am I doing this? Like, what's it actually for? And um, for me, bef- as soon as I left my old job, the role that it played was no longer, it's, it was no longer required because the job was such a weight on me at the time that I needed an escape and I needed, I needed a mission and that was my mission. And my mission actually was to get out and start working in the field. And I did it. So I didn't need it anymore.
2: <laughs> you mean you didn't need the hard style training?
1: I didn't need the hard style training. And it, like it wasn't giving me anything anything more. Like it wasn't rewarding anymore, you know, to the same degree. Because um, it's not like I was getting any glory from it. It wasn't like I was getting paid. It wasn't like I was getting any recognition for it. It was just like punishing myself yeah. to do the training. And at some point, you got to ask yourself, why? Why am I punishing myself? So after that, I was just like, you know what? It doesn't work on so many fronts that i got to start doing something else. And uh, luckily, like I said, uh, Fighting Monkey was already in my periphery as I was coming to the tail end of my journey with Ido. And um, once I attended the first workshop in Brisbane, it was like pretty – it was like – It was like what I felt in the beginning with Edo, like just mind blown, like a new perspective. And um, I felt a tremendous uh, sense of relief that I didn't have to push myself so hard that I could move in a different way and still get 80%, if not more of the benefit without draining my time and without draining my energy and actually get a lot more connection to myself. Because I think that's what most people went into movement for it wasn't just to, it was, I mean, the initial thing was that self dominance is like the awesome acro and the planches and the long, the, the front levers and stuff. But then ultimately it starts becoming about like exploring yourself, you know, like, you know, how far can I push myself? What can I do? Or, you know, if you go to, uh, if you go to like any of, uh, Edo's in, in events now, they've, they're much less hard style than they were before from what I've heard. They're more to do with like, you know, I mean, this is only my outside interpretation, but a bit more spatial awareness, rhythm, uh, ocular stuff like eyes, <laughs> you know, like yeah. really yeah. stuff that most, most normal more people- More fringy stuff. Super fringy, yeah. But when you're in it, you're like, okay, I get it. This is kind of cool, right? So I'm like, if I'm gonna do that, like, you know, there's a million ways to explore that. There's a million ways to, in Ito's words, skin that cat. And, you're, yeah. and you've always been creative
2: enough to go ahead and, and search for that on your own mm, yeah. with, your, all, with all your past experiences as well, I suppose.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, I've always been someone that's explored on my own. I mean, that's how I got my start in movement in when I was like four years old, I remember. Uh, I think I mentioned this in the, in the, in the first podcast, but um, it bears mentioning again, it's just the, uh, the attraction to martial arts and then not being allowed to uh, learn martial arts. Like I had to study. And then that uh, obstacle became a, a motivating force. And then I was like, fuck this. And then I went and went to the backyard and only with my memories, oh. like just, just my memories, like so vivid, every movement so vividly like etched into my brain. And I just, I just practiced it until like, I, and it was all feel. It was all like, okay, use my body, my proprioception, my body awareness, and then use the shadows a little bit and then use the feeling. It's like, is it, does this feel the way that it made me feel when I saw it? Does it feel the way it looks? That question itself is already like, it already teaches you a lot. You were four? I was four, yeah. And you were less. practicing
0: martial arts in the backyard like that?
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How cool. Yeah. I mean, look, most people um, kind of imitate it and stuff, but I kind of went pretty serious. I was like, I need to make this yeah. exactly the same. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and that was that was how I developed myself um, as, a, as a martial artist. So when I, like, I wasn't allowed to train throughout my whole um, upbringing. It was only when I was 18... And I had my own job or yeah, I was working and I had my own money and I was at uni. So like it was the the capoeira class was like right next to where my uni was. So that's when I started to actually learn it formally. But because of my, my background, you know, like I was able to pick up moves so quickly because I could, you know, I could just break it apart pretty, pretty quickly, you know.
2: Did you not do some break dancing, uh, dance yeah. uh, like performance stuff at school as well?
1: Yeah, yeah, I did, yeah. I did. So, uh, high school—that was when the internet was in its infancy—and mm. uh, <laughs> dance videos were popping up in my feed, like the really crazy robot dances that I think, I don't think I'd never seen before, and I don't think peop- most people had ever seen before unless you're in the scene. And it blew my mind, and that was my. So Bruce Lee was my first idol, and then David elsewhere was my second idol. David elsewhere was a guy, if you look him up, David elsewhere, 2001, uh, there's a talent show where he's like wearing this orange, um, orange long sleeve t-shirt, a long sleeve shirt. And he's doing the robot dance and it was like, I just copied him. So I did the same thing (laughs) I did with for martial arts with dance and, and I did a performance, um, yeah, at school with that. Um, so I'm, I was very familiar with the martial arts and dance, even before I started capoeira, which is why I think I chose capoeira, because it's a combination of the two. And I think it's why I was so good at it, because I, I knew how to how my body should move in the context of both. Whereas um, if you're a martial artist stepping into something like capoeira, for, for those of you who don't know, capoeira is a Brazilian form of martial arts, bit of dance, bit of... Um, fighting and that's and what people music. think of when I tell them I do jujitsu. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right. oh, that's the, the dancing one. That's the break yeah. dancing. One. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, if you're, if you're a pure martial artist, if you've done like Karav Maga or like karate or something, you go into capoeira, you're more and, more than likely going to, um, be very stiff because you're kind of stuck to that rigid, like, okay, I've got to be protective and combative and then you're very stiff. And if you're a dancer, like a ballet dancer or a contemporary dancer, you tend to be very soft and willowy and then you lose that combative edge that makes capoeira capoeira. But for me, because I'd done both, I knew I had a sensitivity for it. So I had eyes for it, if that makes sense. Mm. And so uh, when you develop body awareness, you develop another set of eyes where you can see it because you felt it. Mm. And it, unless, until you felt it, you can't see it. That's one of those things with, um, with any kind of movement, discipline, any kind of, um, yeah, any kind of movement is that you have to experience it for yourself in order to be able to see it because until you don't until you do, until you do it, it a squat just looks like a squat an x just looks like an x or y just looks like a y you don't really you can't so really true. see the connections mm-hmm. yeah
2: um, i wanted to ask and go a little bit back to the edo thing and you guys are you, you mentioned like the hard style training and i didn't do any phases of his training although I, I have gone on to do um you know movement style training here in the gym and stuff um but Uh, is it all hard style training? Like for people who are listening to this podcast and it's the first time Mm. for them to hear about it, it, it's not all hard style training Mm. um, you mentioned, but uh, they do some other creative stuff and there's dance aspects and stuff. Mm. Um, Mm. And that, I guess, is all within the scope of movement. So Mm. it kind of takes on anything that is whatever, it's uh, anything that involves moving the body and and, and controlling it. But Mm. is it that when you... um, when you pr- prescribe to 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 doing training underneath the founder, or, or you said the founder uh, Ido, um, that the the first phase of of training is really hard style. Like, is it the mm. same then as it is today, or is, is that, that kind of how know. they blood people or something <laughs> like that? Because
1: yeah, I kind of see it that, like that in a way. Probably, I don't know what it is like now, but it was. It, it, it's kind of like uh, if you want to be in the circle, you got to get through the gauntlet. That, you you know, know,
0: like a rite yeah. of passage. Yeah, yeah. They, like they don't
2: do that forever.
1: No, no. I mean like you, you don't – I mean look, it's hard to say because I've, I've been on the outside for so long now so I, mm. I'm not really sure what it's like now but um,
0: – I reckon there's um, – I think that the – without sounding critical of him, um, I think that he has always been very good at finding ways to create something new and I think that back when he was a younger man – And he was bringing this like hardcore movement body weight strength gymnastic but like super refined structured training with high level mobility Mm. i think that when he was putting that out there and he was doing that that was new Mm, and that mm. was a lot of what we fell in love with yeah yeah and then now that's- And stuff, the locomotion stuff. Was yeah, was like the locom-
1: movement with like strength. Yeah. yeah. And
0: it was and it, made, it built muscle, like it made yeah. you strong, you look strong mm. and it became a, you know, and it was like, that's why his people were seen as like beasts. And mm. so that kind of attracted more people who aspired to that. Yeah. Yeah. But I think his body is not, He's probably not doing that style of training anymore because you can mm. only do that as a young man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it burns you and, out too. And it's also it's also now semi-mainstream.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it he's is. had to
0: find a new. Uh, he's had to recreate and going into that more alt- like very alternative, very much down the rabbit hole kind of nuanced yeah. elements of movement. Yeah, is is now what's new.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like what he was really, what was really, uh, what stood out uh, was the capoeira influence because he was also a capoeira guy, right? And um, I know that capoeira, because it's so dynamic, it gives you a really, really, really good base. And so he actually used some of the, fl- uh, it's called a floreo in um, capoeira. Floreo meaning flower. It's, the, the floreos are actually the, the acrobatic elements of capoeira. So he combined acrobatic elements of capoeira with animal crawling patterns that he put specific strength or g- gymnastic-based uh, cues or uh, points on accents, right? Mm. So it looked super strong, but it had a flowing element to it, and it also had that Capoeira-esque circularity, and it it, it, it flowed like it doesn't end. It doesn't end, yeah. yeah. So you just end up getting really like hypnotized by it, and you just you just want to do it because it looks so good, it looks so impressive, and it looks like it's so much fun to do, which it is. Um, so <laughs> so yeah, <It> looks <laughs> that way. until you try it like everyone in the gym can attest oh yeah yeah (laughs)
0: then you try it you're like this fucking sucks yeah yeah
1: yeah and if if you've ever done any of um workshops or internships and stuff there's a term death by locomotion and it's just doing laps and laps like (laughs) locomotion for distance or like locomotion variations and combinations for distance or time and it's uh it's hard it's hard stuff
2: for listeners locomotion is traveling from one point to another correct in any type of Pattern. you can think of yeah yeah low high lower body upper yeah. body
1: so so most of his stuff was uh when he said locomotion he kind of yeah he, he was talking a lot about oh i mean i guess most people would associate it with the by the quadrupedal stuff the mm. four like hands and feet on the ground stuff because mm. that's kind of what um capoeira is all about it's like feet and then onto the hands back on the feet and then some of some of it's both and then if you're doing an animal crawl like a lizard crawl it's like you know hands and feet both on the ground if you're doing like a bear crawl and stuff it's the same kind of thing um, but locomotion really is, you know, our, our base locomotion is the walking, the walking gait. And mm-hmm. that's kind of how I see locomotion now. Um, and, and that's more of where my, my study of movement has gone is how, how do I walk better? How do I run better? How do I like coordinate my upper to my lower body more? Um, and that's where uh, the fighting monkey stuff really helped. It really taught me a lot. Um, so I, Ido's got his locomotion thing Right, and he's got a bunch of other things, but you know, he's kind of really known for that, or at least that's what I was really attracted to. And with fighting monkey, I was really attracted to the co- the coordinations, because fighting monkey is also something that, uh, you know, it's even it's even more out there in many ways. It's like you have to experience it to understand it.
2: You'll have to try and explain it for listeners. Yeah, yeah, in I'll do outro. my best. What is fighting monkey? I'll do my best. It's got a cool name, but yeah. what the
1: hell is it? Well, the name actually comes from uh, the fighting monkey that's in everyone's heads, that's chatterboxing. You know, you're always got these voices that are telling, pulling you one way or another. And uh, Joseph, the creator, he's a martial artist. So in the martial arts, one of the central concepts is stilling the mind in the chaos of battle, right? I mean, that's the whole point of practicing martial arts. So you can be militarily effective so you don't freak out and forget everything you learned in your training and you can actually You want to be win ice cold yeah. when
2: someone comes up to you in the club.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. So that that fighting monkey, the the concept is coming from that sort of martial concept, uh, martial philosophy of stilling the mind, stilling the chattering of the mind. But then how do you do that, right? So everyone, every Discipline like yoga um, different martial arts disciplines have a their own philosophy and approach, right? But it's all kind of same mountain oh, yeah, dif- Same same peak different paths on the mountain So Edo's got his way uh, You know whoever what other martial arts master or dance masters got their own way the way that fighting monkey does it is they imagine imagine a group that basically only does workshops and the workshops are in Europe. They're like massive. They're like 50 to hundred people. They, they're huge. Um, but there's a bunch of people and then there's a whole day set out for it. Um, maybe even a whole week if it, depending on if it's an intensive and essentially what it is, is like every day for, you know, split in two or three and every section of the day, you'll kind of do something a little bit different that challenges your body and your mind. So, uh, with Fighting Monkey, they do something called coordinations and they put a piece of music on and it's to teach you how to learn how to move without instruction, without explicit instruction, without hearing words. It's like, how does a bear cub learn how to walk without language? Just watches its mum and it feels its body, right? So what he does, he just literally just turns the music on and then he starts moving. <laughs> he starts moving in these complex freaking patterns that completely scramble your brain and it makes you so frustrated. And that's when the fighting monkey in your mind, the volume just goes to a fucking 11. And you're just fighting, you're not only fighting the physicality of it and trying to dance and not feel, and feel like a bit of a fool, but you're also you fighting like your mind. Idiot. You feel like an absolute freaking idiot. And it's so frustrating in the beginning. And But the thing is, everyone goes through that. Um, and that's a really important part of the process um, of the, you know, of a learning but b learning movement and that's kind of the one of the underlying processes of how joseph designs the experience so he doesn't want to necessarily go okay left hand is here on this beat and the left leg is over there and then the right hand is here and then the right leg man that that takes so many syllables and so much time and the thing is if your mind gets in the way the the flow gets disrupted and it's like you need a bit of the speed and momentum to inform the the technique so it's like a, a high level entry barrier but then once you get over that barrier everything becomes easier you know so that's one of the that's one of the things that he does then other things he does is like um he uses like a something called the practice ball which is essentially a ball and a string and then he just kind of like uh throws it around in circles and you've got to like dodge it and you know you've got you know there's different there's different games. So he was actually really famous for um, using movement games or movement scenarios to teach you and your body and your brain, like teach you a specific concept, you know, te- or maybe even teach you about yourself, like how you respond in the situation. How did you respond to the frustration of the coordination? How did you respond to the ball as it was flying towards your head? Did you look at it and did you move intelligently or did you back away and did you freeze? And so that those pressures actually give you an idea of like, what you're composed of, either physically or internally. So it's a big internal practice with a huge external component, but they're all d- sort of designed to work together. Um, so coordinations, practice ball, and then generally what he'll do is um, there's like he has like partner contact um, exercise. I actually haven't done a whole lot of them. I really <coughs> want to do that, like you know the whole contact improv type stuff. I've mm. le- actually never done contact improv as as long as I've been doing this um, this movement thing. I've actually never done contact improv. Um, Jits
0: is a form of it. That's true. Is it? Yeah. What, <laughs> what is contact improv?
1: I haven't done it.
2: Well, yeah, you move, I think, and uh, you move, there's yeah. probably a, uh, you're motivated by a parameter or a rule of a particular engagement. Mm. And you're both trying to achieve that and then yep. you move in response to how the other person's moving. Yeah. That's how I, uh, that's an assumption, but that's yeah, yeah.
1: I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's a good description because that's what it looks like to me on the outside. Mm. It actually Did looks like Do you guys know like that there is no such thing as true improvisation?
0: Do
1: you know that? Okay. Explain.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Drop
0: a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So when I was at movement camp, which is an Edo Portal event run every year. I've not I've gone to a couple. Few years ago we were doing uh, locomotion really complex I think we got to a point where there was you know you learn like here's one one movement one step okay now here's a second step okay a third
1: mm.
0: now piece them together one two three okay mm. now here's four five six all right now piece together one to six we got to a point where there was like 30 steps mm. and it took a week and it took mm. hours <laughs> and i I could i was you know fumbling through a lot of them sounds fun but it was really cool but you could and your brain's fried but you could (laughs) see people who are like nailing it Mm. and you're nailing it like i don't know maybe i was piecing together like 21 of them like it's pretty Mm -hmm. cool Mm -hmm. anyway so there's all these rehearsed sort of patterns that we're working through yeah and then um and then the instruction was all right like we're gonna go five minutes improvise like Go wherever you want. And so, and I always found that really hard. Mm. And I just found myself doing the same movements I'd just been taught, right? <laughs> like you end up going, oh, I'll do this one that I know well and this one and this one. And I asked the question, because, you know, you look at people who are improvising and I'm like, fucking hell, like it looks like they are truly flowing mm. without any thought of where they're going. They're just going somewhere mm. all the time. Mm. And I asked the question to, to, I think I asked it to Odelia, who was teaching that class, who was, you know, Ido's like right hand woman. And Ido was in the class with us. And uh, he pointed out, he said, there's no such thing as true improvisation because every movement you make will be premeditated. Mm. So when you're doing improvised work, you're actually just faking. It. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're, you're considering you're what putting... you're going to do a split second before you do it. There's, right. you can't, you're not actually able to do something that you have completely no awareness of.
1: So, I think this is where the practice ball chaos comes in with Fighting Monkey because they, they love exploring that stuff as well. Because their background is martial arts, dance, and athletics, right? And when you go to like high level dances, right, especially ones that are more of the contemporary flavor, they tend to want to break boundaries. They want to break the rules of dance. Like, for example, you look at ballet, it's very rules based, It's very, very little improv, I would <laughs> say, compared to other dance styles, you know? It has its
0: uh, culture it has its movements its postures
1: exactly exactly but um our new dance styles like contemporary dance styles tend to want to break the rules what other conventions how do we break them or, or even more how do we move and in move with music or move or dance in such a way that doesn't even consider that there are rules rather than oh i'm dancing to break that rule because it's a it's a different intention completely totally. mm. so uh you know like that's where the the practice ball comes in because you know if you're on your own you probably will consider your next move because you have complete control of the space but in let's say in jujitsu that's really quite improvisational in a, in a sense because you don't know what the what especially if you never rolled with your partner before If it's a new person like you're improvising you're res- you're being very responsive you kind of have your game because there's, there's a there's a there's a there's a there's a point that you want to reach you want to submit the guy you know, but there's but there's like a there's there's a bit more improvisation there, only because of the fact there's an external force that you can't control that you have to respond to. So the the the, the like for example the stick game with Edo where you got to pass the stick and you got to stay within the you know about two inches from the stick and you don't know where the stick's going to move next because it's being held by your partner, the practice ball, being held by your partner you don't know where it's going to go. That kind of stuff is kind of it's pretty next level for a regular person. Cause it just looks like you're, you're playing around, which in a, in a sense you are, um, but it's actually trying to uh, explore improvisation from a, from a different perspective. And that's actually one of the things that Joseph, I remember in one of the workshops, he was saying like, you know, like let's do, a, let's do some kind of improvy kind of thing. And he, he stopped us at one point. He was like, you guys, are, you guys aren't, you're very stiff. You're not really, you're not letting yourself do anything new you're doing the same three things over and over and over again, you know? And so the exercise was actually to either become aware of that or let it go completely, which is fucking hard. Like it's super hard to not move in the way that you just typically want to move. Yeah. Cause especially everyone if, has,
2: especially if you don't have that many tools in, yeah. that, in that kind
1: of practice. Yeah, exactly. And I remember this. Well, yeah. I, I
0: mean, I would argue, can you, or is it just that if you have a lot of vocabulary, so let's yeah. say you have a lot of You have tools, the illusion of improv. Yeah, mm. you know, then then okay, you can do 50 different patterns, Yeah. whereas yeah. the inexperienced person can do two.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's, well, that's the ongoing ongoing debate then, isn't it? It is, isn't yeah, it? That's the, and that's again, takes it back to what we talk about, the practice. Because it's a practice. Today I'll try that, and then tomorrow I'll try that, and then the next day I'll try that, and every day will be a bit different. And I might get closer to an answer, or I might even end up not... Like getting further from an answer, I was like, I don't, you know, you might end up with more questions about whether mm. it is you can truly improvise. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's like, look, I think the average person will be like, what's even the point of that? Like, how's that going to even benefit me? You know, and um, I mean, how would you guys answer that question? How would this uh, exploration of improv help a normal person?
0: It's a great question. I, I think that largely it's a, it has a psychological benefit, which mm. allows them to really suck at something. Like, yeah. you know and and feel very uncomfortable and understand that that's all right and there's a room full of people who feel the same way mm. and you know whatever you're mm. not going to be judged for it and it's not going to be the end of the world and you mm. know that sort of thing mm. um, you know I would also see it you know to put it in context for, for you know folks who are new to this thing I will also see it as lower on the list of priorities over certain other physical or, or other outcomes of training mm. Mm. however, important nonetheless
1: Mm, mm, definitely definitely
2: yeah i agree uh, with you know everything joe said Uh, um and even the 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 lower in in importance or priority for for the normal person Mm. coming into to training but i also doesn't mean that it comes after um you know uh, more linear type of training Mm. you know build a certain strength then you can play the games yeah so i'll also use the games at the beginning. Cause it can also serve to break the mold of thinking and mm. to let them be a bit more free with how they think about movement. So mm. just as an example, of games, mm. Mm. games are really useful for people. They're coming in to train for the first time and definitely. they can get physical mm. without mm. Even, and, and moving into ranges without even thinking mm. about it. It's yeah. like, Hey, you're exercising. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> um, definitely so one yeah, of the things. Hey? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely useful.
1: It's, it's the same reason people play soccer for exercise, right? Or any kind of sport. It's like an excuse to do something with the body and, and, and like a goal, parameters to work within where you're, you're doing some form of movement, right? So I kind of see it almost like is like, you know, your linear training, your structured training, it's building a foundation or it's res, uh, maintaining a foundation. It's kind of like taking a car into the shop and then you need to test and pressure test that car. You need to pressure test that vehicle in something some people have sports, some people have fighting, like sparring. Um, but for, the, for some people, they don't have a sport and they're not, they're not into the fighting thing. One of the ways that you can really kind of pressure test them is by doing things like a stick game or a practice ball game or some kind of improv game. Because they're, you know, they're going to confront the psychological block, more than likely, but then they're also going to come across... they're going to pressure test their, how their body articulates in response to the game. Um, so if we're playing, say, like something like, you know, um, like knee taps or something like that's the, you touch their knees, don't let your knees be touched. That's the basic parameter. And then it's like they have to be very dynamic in that. And that's where they if they if they're encouraged to be aware of what's happening, they can actually learn a lot about what is going on in their body. And then they've warmed up and then they're working on maybe like a, a lunge or a squat or something. Then they can be like, oh, I'm a bit more aware that I was like a bit collapsed in that thing there and i'm going to work on filling in that gap now in this linear training That's kind of see how like personally went for the regular person i think that that's where the synergy is that's where you want to use that those games Mm. is your pressure testing and then you're becoming more aware of the body so that your training becomes better and then when your training gets better then you can pressure test better and it becomes this feedback loop
0: i agree i do think that that you know i do think that what you just said requires a high level of self-awareness yes which a lot of people Probably they they could they could easily have it, but I think that potentially they don't care to have it in that in that way. Mm. In terms of like, look, man, I just come to the gym three times a week. I got an hour, mm. and I like the games. They're fun, mm. and uh, it's a good workout. Mm, mm. And yeah. and I think, and I you know, so that would be you know different to that right that like they're not they're not using it as a tool to analyze or mm. self assess mm. but i also i'm like that's fine like if that's mm. what it is for you oh yeah
1: yeah definitely definitely fine but the invitation is always there to take it to that level yes you know and that's what these um uh you know ev- like even the edo workshops and w- experiences but particularly the fighting monkey type of experiences and i think if you go to any any movement teacher or practitioner worth their salt they're going to provide a scenario or some kind of space in which you're gonna be able to explore that. And I would encourage encourage everyone to try that. Like, don't necessarily go to a dance class or cause you're gonna be so confronted, like probably, but something more movementy. And there's a lot of options out there these days, a lot of options. And that's that's a really good place to go to start to develop that sense of awareness. Cause I can guarantee you, if you wanna get healthy, fit, lose weight, all of that stronger overall, that's one of the best things that I could recommend anyone. Cause like I said, bring it back to my upbringing. It's like, that's what I did from when I was four. That's why I can go into most environments and be like, cool, I'm pretty comfortable here. I can pick things up pretty quickly. Um, and you know, you guys saw me, I never touched a barbell before I came here and I'm pretty decently strong without ever having trained it. And it's because I've got the mobility, I've got the, the nervous enrichment engagement and I've got the body awareness. I know, what's, I know how to solve this physical problem better you know? Yeah. So I think anyone, anyone could benefit from that. How do you see, um,
0: how do you see that kind of linear stuff? You know, take, you know, squatting and deadlifting and, and very basic foundational strength training. Where does that fit for you now?
1: I love it. I love it. I use it all the time in my coaching. So the way I see it is that, um, there's the people, when they see a barbell, for example, they think powerlifting or Olympic lifting, they see the sport. And what I would encourage people to look at is use, look at the apparatus as a tool for uh, diagnosing and developing your mechanics you know so the way I teach is a deadlift and a squat very different because I'm not teaching that person just to get strong enough to lift more I want like most people who end up doing this work with me they don't want to go heavier because I encourage them to see what they can do with the weight that they have on the bar now. So it's like a 20 kilo bar with like maybe two fives or two tens on each side. It's not heavy or two twenties. Depends on how big or fit that person is. But it's nowhere near their max. It's nowhere near their 3RM or 5RM. It's nowhere near that. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's enough weight to give them a feedback, kind of a training tool, like a partner and give them some resistance so that they can activate enough against it to go into their mechanics um, deeper, you know? Because if it's too heavy, your body locks up and you're under so much pressure and struggle that you can't, you don't have enough bandwidth in your brain to be aware of the little things, you know? And those little things are what make the difference. The devil's in the details, you know? So I kind of use these, you know, these apparatuses or these tools as a way of going deeper in awareness either mentally, but mostly just physically, physical awareness of the body. So like, yeah. So, you know, really going deep into the hamstrings for a deadlift, for example, you know, that's that's where I use it. and. As part of my private coaching, that's my structure. Like I do, we do a lot of, you know, pretty what would be considered traditional lifting techniques, like pulling off the ground or pushing off the ground, but with a completely different intention. And, uh, you know, a lot of people get so much benefit out of that.
0: What, um, give me an example of say, like just say for a deadlift example, how would you, in simple terms, how would you change the intention of that?
1: So first of all, um, I, would, uh, I would tell the person I'm working with that deadlifting is what I would consider a lower body pulling action, whereas a squat is a lower body pushing action. And then I tell them the differences, and I tell them, okay, with a squat and a deadlift, the difference between each movement, I'll show them, and they'll see that's very clear, and then I'll, and then I'll ask them, like, what's different? And then they'll, everyone gives me a different answer. But essentially what would be different is that when you're pushing, your knees travel forward, okay? And you're receiving the weight in a different way. So you're kind of like a spring. Your, body, your lower body is a spring and you're storing your spine into those springs. Because when you think about the amplification of a squatting movement as a jump, when you're jumping, you wanna store your torso into your legs and then you wanna fire your torso out of your legs, right? Mm. So that's what you're trying to develop with a squat is the non-propulsion version of a jump, right? So then I say, okay, so if a squat is a push and the push is associated with the knees forward, right then the deadlift is actually a pull right well the pulling the opposite action is a pull so it means that your knees go backward right and that gives them a really simple way of actually getting into the movement without it being about muscles or without it being about all right like whatever the regular cues that you would might you might find at a powerlifting gym right it's just let's keep it at the bare basics there's a weight on the ground you weigh a certain amount gravity has always been the same Okay, and this is a physical problem that we're trying to solve. We're trying to get leverage on this bar. We're trying to uproot the bar. Um, we're trying to separate the, the weight from the ground. Only one of it is a pushing motion. One of it's a pulling motion. So then what I do after that is, okay, notice where the load goes. So if you're pushing, say, and you're storing your spine and your legs with maybe a bar in your back or wherever you're holding the weight, uh, there's a mass that you're trying to absorb into the legs, and then your legs need to fold in some areas. Your knees are folding. Your ankles are folding, you know? Your hips are folding, so feel the joints moving there, map them out, Be, become familiar with what, where the entryways are. You know, every time you do it, if you time it slightly differently, you'll, you'll feel the load in a different place, I guarantee you, if you pay enough attention. So then um, when they become more aware of that, that's when we can start to, to work with a bit more repetition and start to, to do those, you're gonna do the reps anyway, but you're going to start to become more aware of the composition and the timing and the articulation, the coordination of everything. Um, and yeah, we'll do the same thing with the the, the the other movements essentially.
0: That's cool. So it's kind of how you present the context of it in mm. a sense. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, in terms of the execution, would it look, if, if, if you had a powerlifter and they were seeing you and, and one of your clients doing a deadlift, are they mm. gonna be like, what the fuck is that? Or are they gonna go, that's a deadlift more or less
1: they yeah it'll be pretty much indistinguishable. I right. saw one this right.
0: morning you had a couple of guys doing a deadlift. Yeah. Yeah, and it looked like a deadlift.
1: It looked like a de- it looks like a deadlift. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a deadlift. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably a very like refined one if they if they're doing it enough like a lot. Yeah. Like these guys were new um uh, new guys, but you know once like for example Carla she's been with me for a little while her deadlift has improved so much she's got much more like it just kind of see it in a spine. You can see it in a scaps. Every, the whole body is alive. It's not mm, just mm. setting the body up and then lifting it off the floor. There's this, mm. this sense of like hands connected with feet. The head is doing something like it's the whole body is working. The whole body is engaged.
2: Because the goal is to lift it the most efficient way possible still. It so is. Therefore, the Q, all, all of the alignments end up being the same as
1: how a yeah. powerlifter would teach it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's leverage. Yeah, it's principles physics. that you have
0: to adhere to, to to be optimal. So
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: That's cool. I like mm. how you think about that. Yeah, I kinda I dig that. Mm. Tell me, you know, for, for someone who's listening who's like, okay, yeah, movement thing sounds cool, but I just want to get jacked. <laughs> I just want to, you know, like the mm. and, and if we boil down a lot of a lot of what people want from Asking the training for a friend is to Yeah. <laughs> you know, so let's say I'm at ninety four kilos, I want to get to ninety eight. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so no, not jacked, but people want to lose body fat. They wanna, you know. Um, they want to look better. There's always that aesthetic side to training as Mm. well as the other things, performance, Mm. getting out of pain, Mm. you know, the other things that are of equal importance. Mm. Where do you, how do you see the, how do you see the movement thing and how do you see your approach sitting on that spectrum? And does it, does it pay any kind of attention to that side of it?
1: So, okay. Uh, are you talking about just aesthetics in general, like, or are you talking about putting on muscle specifically? Mm,
2: let's
0: say
1: aesthetics aesthetics and
2: like in general i think you're saying like does movement training even care about the general public's
0: fitness goals (laughs) or does it no no i want to know more about you know not not really fit but more like you know the body composition side Mm. and the look is there any consideration of that within what you do
1: the consideration would be that body composition and um an aesthetic look for the human body will emerge as a byproduct like, you know, for me, I mean, look, it, look, first of all, aesthetics has a lot to do also with um, genetics. You actually have to work with what you got <laughs> at the end of the day. Like no one's not, everyone's going to look like Arnie or Instagram model or whatever, you know, like if you if you, if you have the genetic, you know, you know, and you're going to look like that. And if you don't, and you try for it, good luck, but there's always going to be a limiting factor, you know, that's not to say that you can't develop an athletic physique. That's not to say that you can't develop a physique that if some, if you had your, your shirt off, that someone wouldn't be like, this guy trains, this guy works, this guy takes care of himself. So in that sense, uh, the mo- so again, the movement thing, the way I see movement is more of a study of biomechanics, right? And the biomechanics of fighting and and fight and flight, right? So like combative mechanics, but also locomotive mechanics. That's where... that's our bodies were born from that you know if we didn't have the ability to run or to fight we wouldn't be able to survive survival was number one and our bodies haven't forgotten that thankfully right so we've got to address that right so my assertion is that if you have great mechanics you can put on whatever muscle you want more easily because your system isn't blocked you know so and what i mean by that is what i notice a lot is that a lot of people cannot throw either throw a punch or throw a ball. And that's a big problem. That's a huge problem. And I'll tell you why. If you can't throw a ball, it means that your shoulder cannot handle acceleration. It can't handle the whip and it can't handle speed, right? Because um, a throw is actually a rapid projection of, a, of an object, either your, your fist or something that you're holding in your fist and transmitting the force into that projectile, into a target. Right. So either throwing a spear or rock into a target or you're throwing your fist into someone's body. Whatever. If you can't do that, if you can't throw a ball and project it, it means that it it says a lot about the health of the tissue around the shoulder. So you probably don't have stretchiness. That's a problem. You're gonna everything's gonna be compressed there. If everything is compressed, your joints are rubbing together like that, you probably have shoulder pain. You probably have neck pain. You probably have something not right going on, and then you have the domino effect of that. What happens when your shoulder's in pain and not working properly? Oh, the back has to take something or the hips have to take something or something is out. Then when that's out, another thing's out. It's a domino effect. So if you have a good ability to whip the arms and whip the legs and whip the spine, that's your whole body, right? If you, if you can whip all of that, it means that you have a great uh, open channel through which force can travel. And that's actually, for me, the fundamental study of movement is the study of force moving through the body right if you look at the tai chi practitioners they're doing their their forms and stuff when they say chi i think key. i think kinetics and um and the thing is that's actually i mean from the outside looking in and from my study that's what i that's one of my interpretations but i know that you know traditional chinese medicine there's so many different arms and so complex that there's more things but from a physical perspective, from a kinetic expe- perspective, it is all about the circulation of kinetics, kinetics, mm. right? So and and throwing a ball or throwing your fists is a, is a study of generating kinetic energy and transmitting that force through a channel, through your spine, through your arm and out of out of your hand into an object. And then evolutionarily, you can turn a rock into dinner which other animals can't do. And that's one of the things that gave us our competitive edge. We turn rocks into dinner, then we turn rocks into spears and then spears into arrows and then arrows into firearms and firearms into missiles. It's like this, this is a really profound fucking um, evolution here. And if you can't throw, it means you're missing out on all that, you know? And the reason I was able to do so much is because in, when I was younger, I was always playing ball sports. I was always playing cricket. I was playing like throw, like on the field, just throwing. With, uh, with my friends, just throwing a ball around, you know? And, and in that you learn so much about your body. And if you don't have that, it's, you're leaving a lot on the table. It's kind of like the jiu-jitsu thing with leg locks. You're leaving 50% of your body behind or whatever that quote is from Dean Lister. You're not yeah. considering 50% of the body. That's a big part of it. And I think I would encourage anyone that's wanting to put on mass. So take it back to the mass question or like aesthetics.
0: Yeah, how many times do I have to throw to get big? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Quite a bit. <laughs> sort of depend on depend, depend on where you are but you know, if you if you throw more uh you'll clear you'll clear your shoulders out you know I, I do a lot of like arm swinging type stuff and and throwing like you've seen the speed tools that i use um this the coordinations are a big part of that is arm swings There's
0: a lot of throwing in there isn't there
1: super amount of throwing and it's like if you don't play a ball sport doing coordinations the fighting monkey style coordinations, is one of the best ways to get a shitload of reps of throwing in seriously you play one rap song and you do like 100, 100 at least reps of a throwing pattern depending on the coordination that you do. And um, yeah, like it's, uh, it, it's, it's going to develop all these other things but it's mostly for me, it's developing that connection to how to generate force, how to generate kinetic energy and then how to channel that energy through your body and allow your body to channel it, if that makes sense. And then when you've got that open channel my assertion, my speculation is that you're probably going to find it easier to, to load muscle on that structure and keep it. You mm-hmm. know, you might not be a bodybuilder, but you probably have a better chance of, you know, but then also the, you know, of course, genetics plays into it and all that blah, blah, blah. But, but so you're very much saying it's,
0: yeah, like it's a, it's a mechanics piece first and mm. then the building of muscle or the, the changing of body composition comes easily at that point
1: comes a bit easier yeah yeah D- depending on other genetic factors etc etc but I found personally for me having done a lot of the speed tool striking type stuff the the the, the strength work I, f- I, f- I just found that it, I could just feel the the muscle like growing a bit more if that makes sense and then like the the striations of the muscles like taking on like they're leading the right shape, if that makes sense. When you look at your, your, your body in the mirror, you just kind of see the shape. You just look in shape, the in-shape look. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, kind of, but different to the in-shape look for the guy at Bondi Beach with the little legs yeah. and the big upper body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, looking, looking through that lens of like... <clears throat> You know, like true strength and actual capability, and, and all of these different things that are kind of embodied in what you're talking about, mm, mm. you can see a difference.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. But again, with the aesthetics question, it's like, what aesthetic are you chasing? You know, that's that's a whole other question.
0: Well, that's right. It's a bit, it's a bit uh, subjective, isn't it?
1: It is. Yeah, yeah. And then why as well? But yeah, go
0: I get. I guess I ask that because you know, say with our approach at the gym here, it's it's um you know strength and movement right so mm. movement's obviously a big thing for us mm. however we also we've never wanted to be just that mm. and there's a side of the movement thing that that you know i feel is like like what we we're talking about where it goes really deep down the rabbit hole mm. which for me i'm like i'm not that interested in it so mm. i might go to an event or a workshop or something and i'll go down the rabbit hole for that period of time <laughs> But then afterwards, in my own training, I'm like, I like to just do some strength stuff, and yeah, yeah you know, yeah. like I like I like the Edo Portal stuff of ten years ago, mm, right? Mm. And we've had this conversation before, mm. um, and you kind of find your groove, right? But so you know, and, and I and for a lot of people that train with us, and I'm guessing people that are listening too, you know, they hear this stuff and they're like, well, that that sounds really cool, but you know, man, I got I got the kids a few days a week and they got to go to sport and I train two or three times, so. Mm, mm. So where's it at? Like you know, mm. I want I want to I want to look good and mm. I want to, and I want to feel good too. Mm, mm. And so I guess it's trying to um, just give a bit of context around like, all right, well, how do you, as someone who, kind of, you don't have either the 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 care to or, or the desire to, rather, or the time to jump into this thing wholeheartedly. However, how is it still relevant for you in a little, in a you know, in a
1: way? Mm. So what, how's the movement thing relevant to that person, you mean? Well, or? yeah. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's kind, of, that's kind well,
1: of what I'm getting at with that question. Oh, look, if that person's not interested, power to them, you know? Like, that's, that's their life, you know? I wouldn't force it down their throat. Like, I think there's so many benefits of everything, but if the person doesn't want it or value it or see the value in, in that moment in time, that, that's fine, you know? Like, it's, um, it's, it's, it's not something that, like, I personally feel I have to be evangelical about anymore. I, I was at a time, believe me um but
0: i think we all have been
1: yeah 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 because it's the passion it's the energy it's the the the, you know
0: and when you're doing it i mean when you're talking about like when i was doing it as online training i was like how could anyone ever want to do anything else (laughs) like yeah totally what what do you mean you don't want to dedicate four hours of your day to training like what could be more important yeah what's wrong with you yeah yeah and (laughs) you get a bit
1: angry you're like what the fuck yeah people don't get it oh yeah yeah i remember that oh that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember having that attitude to a couple of friends and they pulled Mel aside and they're like, hey, is, is Alan all right? It's a <laughs> cult. He's a bit angry. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you're That's just so crazy. evangelical about it. Seriously. And you don't even realize. You don't even realize. So, but,
2: but when you come back to the original kind of trying to define what movement was, mm. we started before and we were saying, okay, what's the Edo movement thing? And before we said it was a hard style of movement, mm. you said you described it really well. And I always find it very difficult to. To, to define it in a couple of lines, uh, and it was what did you say? Um, uh, it's it's built a, a study of body awareness.
1: Yeah, body awareness so or kinetic energy. Yeah. Mm. So
2: the body awareness thing, I think, is 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 true mm. of someone who goes deep down the rabbit hole, or the example that you're saying of the person um, who is just wants to train, and they've only got a couple of days a week, and they don't really want to uh engaging a, in a, on a high level mm. i think that's the part of the movement that we build here which is no matter whether you're in here for the two or three sessions that you can get in your busy life or not you walk out of here and you're trying to build an awareness and the other 23 hours of the day and every day of the week type thing mm. i know um Yeah, for a lot of people, exercise is you just go there and then you go Mm -hmm. and you switch off and you just fucking do whatever you do for the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like, and I listened to, you know, the conversation and, you know, I know that that happened for me at some point where it was like, I just... You know, I'm going to the gym or I do sport. I play soccer three times a week. Mm. And then it was like, okay, I'm at work and how am I moving? I change my footwear. Mm. How am I standing? Mm. You know, mm. is my jumper on on a cold morning or is it off? Mm. And then I, you know, went through a phase where I'd always have a T-shirt on at 5am in the morning to wake up. And, you know, it was just like becoming more aware of the physical aspects of my body, which I just mm. didn't think about at all. Mm. So I think in terms of that, which was like the original kind of, if you were trying to distill what movement is, because at the moment... We're trying to explain, oh, what is Fighting Monkey? Mm. And there's all the conceptual stuff. And then at some point you said, because Fighting Monkey is essentially uh, martial arts, dancing and Mm. something. Yeah, yeah,
1: martial arts, dance and uh, athletics.
2: Yeah, so you got the description of what it is from the outside and Mm. then you've got what is the the essence or the the concept of it. Mm. So I think the concept of movement is relevant for every single person in that awareness thing maybe. Mm. Yeah. But how you practice it and, you know, whether someone's doing it this way or that way yeah whether they've gone off on a tangent or, or not is mm. is less relevant to everyone but
1: mm-hmm. and and i think this might be a conversation for another podcast but i think that um my m- what i'm more interested in is what are people more preoccupied by in their lives that makes them not interested in this stuff that we we know to be very important stock market yeah that's fires yeah <laughs> Well, (laughs) yeah, I I mean, there's yeah, yeah. Trump. Well, there isn't just that like sort of political terror that the media is, you know, whatever. That's a whole other whole other conversation. But I think from a general like personal perspective, I think from because my previous job was in in um, finance, so and I didn't have a financial background. I was pretty shit with my own personal finances, but that job taught me a lot because I also wanted to get out of there. So I was like, I've got to get my shit together. And then once I finally got all the tools together to do that, I felt this weight lift off my shoulders and suddenly I had so much more room in my brain and my energy to focus on other things. And because I got through that, I can see that, um, especially because I'm teaching people about this and I can tell when I talk to some people that they're not, they think that they want exercise, but I can see they're preoccupied with other things. And generally the biggest, one of the biggest preoccupations that everyone shares is the preoccupation about money, security, you know, it, it's, it's a preoccupation and it's, it's, a, it's not a bad thing to think about. And I think we need those tools because if we can't navigate that, this is something I always tell people, like if you don't exercise and eat like shit, you could, you could survive for decades. You could live until you're over 60. You if you don't exercise and you do eat like shit. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. you do all the wrong things yeah. that we think you'll are wrong. You'll probably still make it. You'll like still make it. To
0: the close to the finish line that yeah. I going
1: to get to. 100%, 100%. Yeah. But if you stop paying your rent or your mortgage for a month or two, three, maybe, you're out on the street. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That's a far more immediate concern for people. And so part of what I'm trying to do now is actually develop a, a coaching program that actually tries to address that. And that, that's something I've d- sort of done on the side in the past, but I'm recognizing it as something more important for people in order to, to, to make space in their in their energy, in their time, uh, in their mental capacity to even take on this these, these concepts that we mentioned. I mean, this is, this, these are some serious concepts, you know what I mean? Some serious stuff. You need a, you need a lot of, you need to empty your cup a little bit, but if your cup is full and I'm not even talking about cup is full with another discipline of martial arts or movement or whatever, it's just literally, do you even have time in your, your week for it? You know, in your, do you have time in your time for it? And if you don't, where is all that time going? And I will take a guess nine out of 10 people. It is to do with personal finances, you know, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I wouldn't disagree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. me too.
1: Um, definitely
0: a topic for another podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to wrap it up there, but um, mate, so you've got your own thing going on right now with your training, You're coaching at Jungle Brothers here. Yep. Do you want to give us a little plug? Where can people get at you? Um, what, what's the process there?
1: Uh, so my coaching business is called Train Away Your Pain. So trainawaypain.com com, and you can what you can all, all the information is on there. I run a Uh, a group coaching program up to four people you do a foundation program first to teach you how to train and then there's a time and a place for you to come and practice how to move in that private group coaching program so if you have if you're unfit if you feel unhealthy if or if you feel stiff achy and and whatnot it's a movement coaching program to help you to overcome pain okay but even if you don't have pain i think that if you resonated with anything that i said and you want to learn how to move better explore yourself it's the the program is open for you as well um, and you can follow me on at Train Away Your Pain on Instagram, but also my personal page I'll be bringing back online very shortly. So at underscore Alan Long A double l a n l o n g So you can catch catch all my uh personal stuff on that side. Cause train away your pain is now no longer a personal page.
0: I, I like it. <laughs> on that business front.
1: Yeah, yeah. Gotta keep it keep it keep it clean, you know, keep it clear. Yep. yep. Cool. Fuck yeah. Yeah.
0: Bro, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. Brother Paulie, Preach.
2: Thanks, man. Thanks, Al, for coming in. I love how you think and how you speak. So it's cool. I don't get to catch up with you
1: enough. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, a lot of this stuff is is evolving while, you know, concurrently in front of us, next to us. And it's like... <laughs> and it's, it's all this, new. Yeah, this is actually one of the only chances we get to dive into it.
1: Yeah, yeah, cool. Oh, I'm, I'm glad that uh, we had this chance then. Yeah, man. Hopefully more in the future. And well done. Thank you. It's nice, dude. It's appreciate cool it. evolution. Appreciate it um thanks for
0: listening today guys uh we're drinking coffee from panavore today which i didn't give a plug at the beginning but we're always drinking panavore coffee because tree's my boy if you're in pagewood you should go by their cafe and you should ask for the joey sandwich just a note neither of you oh. two guys have had a joey sandwich you should also go i've had on one this. you've I've had, had one yeah it's good delicious huh um that was episode <laughs> 65 if you liked it please uh take a screenshot post about on your stories share tag a friend share it with someone help support the show And if you want to get in touch with us, junglebrothers.com or at junglebrothersmovement on Instagram. Thanks very much, you guys. Cheers, fellas. See you next week. Gotcha. See ya. (laughs) (laughs) Huge
2: generic music